When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you tired of sugarcoating how you feel about infertility? The Infertility and Me podcast offers raw and candid discussions about all things infertility and IVF. Join me, Monique, your host, as we get real about the emotional, physical, and mental effects of infertility and what it does to its victims. Hashtag infertility sucks. Please be advised, adult content and language. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me. I am your host, Monique. Today we have Amy, angel mama, infertility survivor, and stillbirth survivor. Amy, can you tell us about how long you have been on the journey to parenthood and what that's been like for uh, you and your husband? Uh, Okay, so hello, everybody. Um, My infertility journey kind of initially started actually before we really started trying. So I have endometriosis, and I've known I've had it for a while. So for those of you that don't know what that is, you can look it up and get a good description, but I'll do my best. It's just when the cells that are supposed to grow inside of your uterus, they grow on the outside of your uterus, um, and they can grow in various places, but it often is around your fallopian tubes and your abdomen and uh, can be in your bowels and your bladder. So just kind of anywhere in that area. And then um, because that those cells can't shed, it just builds and builds and builds on top of itself and kind of creates like a scar tissue type form there. So I've known that I've had that since I was a teenager. I've had this, um, what they call suspected endo because the only way to diagnose it is to uh, get a surgery And so my husband and I uh, started trying about maybe six months before we got married. I think it was in 2015. And um, we started trying in May, and our wedding was in September. We had a feeling um, that we might have issues. My gynecologist had told me that we might have difficulties. He said some women with endometriosis have no problems, but oftentimes they do have fertility issues. So that's why we started early. I was 24 at the time, and my husband was also 24 at the time. Um, so went off my birth control uh, that I was on for years and kind of just went off it and forgot about it, didn't really track anything or do anything for the first bit. So we did that for six months, and then we got married. And then once we got married in September 2015, I started um, tracking my cycle a little bit, paying more attention to it, just getting one of the period uh, tracking apps. 
and using that. And so we did that for almost a year. Um, and then after a year, I was still being seen by my gynecologist every six months follow up. And he said, uh, we had a few options. He said, I could do the surgery or if I wanted to, I could try for a little bit more um, on my own. And so he got me to take ovulation tests for a couple months just to make sure I was ovulating. I got some of the baseline blood work done at that point, um, just like your estrogen levels and progesterone, like your blood work that you would get on certain days of your cycle. Um, and so we did that. We tried for almost another year and still didn't have success. So I went ahead and got my laparoscopic surgery. And so that was for my diagnostic surgery for my endo. And I did find out mm. that I had stage four um, severe endometriosis. And so my doctor um, removed all of that. So they burn and cut it all out. And after that, he said the best um, studies or best practices show that after your surgery, you do a medically induced wow. menopause for three months. And then it just kind of allows your system to recover properly from the surgery without getting periods, basically. So I did that. It's just an injection once a month for uh, three months. And then I had one period, and then I got pregnant my next cycle. So in all, my first pregnancy was about two and a half years after we officially uh, started trying. Um, and then, think. Okay. yeah, so that was... I found out in October of 2017, and then, uh, yeah, everything was great. I was a little nervous. I had uh, many friends that had had miscarriages, so the first 12 weeks I was very nervous, uh, but I got through them, no problems, and so everything was great. We told our family. I posted it on Facebook and Instagram and um, I work in healthcare, told all my patients and all my coworkers and everybody knew. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, um, at my 20 week anatomy scan, we found out that uh, our baby had a bunch of abnormalities and his, um, his, they were heart conditions and he was not compatible with life. So he was not going to live. And then at uh, 21 weeks and I think five days, I ended up having, um, we ended up losing him and I had a stillbirth. Wow, wow. At that time. So that was January of 2018 that I had my stillbirth. Um, and then from that, my doctor said uh, to go ahead and try naturally when I was ready. Uh, but he said, he kind of said when I was ready, but he said sooner rather than later because of with endometriosis, every month that you get a cycle, um, you get more adhesions, they're called. So you get more uh, tissue that grows. And so the longer you wait, the worse it gets, the more cycles you go through. So we tried right again afterwards. And he had said to try for six months. And he felt that if we weren't able to get pregnant in six months, then we should pursue IVF. So go see a uh, RE, a reproductive endocrinologist, and pursue IVF. So for those following six months, I did everything under the stars that we all do when we're trying to get pregnant as far as eating everything, pineapple this and pineapple that, and putting your legs up after you do the baby dance and 
ovulation trackers and all the things really we've all been through it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and nothing worked. So six months later, we, uh, it was actually eight months later by the time we actually had gotten into, um, our, our E and, uh, that would have been September of 2018. And we kind of, started right away once we went to our consultation. Um, they wanted to do uh, a long protocol, so they wanted me to, my RE wanted me to do the uh, Lupron Depot shot, so going to uh, induce menopause again for four months. Um, and that, again, was to um, kind of turn my system off and kind of get my endometriosis to relax it never goes away but when you're not having cycles it doesn't flare up as much so quiet it down basically and then we did stims uh yeah we did stims and all the good stuff the every two day checks and this that and the other uh retrieval we had six uh, mature eggs three of them fertilized and um, only one of them made it to a day five embryo, so a day five blast. So we did a fresh transfer that cycle. That was in January. It actually landed my transfer. My first transfer, fresh transfer from my first cycle actually landed on my stillborn son's first birthday, which was wild. Um, so we did that transfer. Unfortunately, it was not successful. So we got in fairly quickly for our um, WTF, or what the fuck, appointment. And my doctor was just super surprised. She thought I would have much better results. Um, and so she basically said this time we would uh, jack up the medication for stims and try to get more. Okay, so that's what we did. We jumped right into that cycle. I think we did it literally the following month. So we stimmed again, um, went through all that, the checkups, the ultrasounds and everything, did a second retrieval, um, ended up, I think we had started with, uh, I want to say 17 eggs, uh, 13 fertilized, uh, no, sorry, 11 fertilized, and we had seven make it to day five. Um, embryos, so we did a, we had to do a freeze all because my estrogen levels were so high. I was at uh, risk for OHSS, and I did have a little bit of mild OHSS, but nothing major, nothing that I had to go in for or anything. So we did a freeze all. Uh, we did, I think it was two months, and then did our geared up for our first frozen transfer, but our second transfer, did our second transfer. Uh, unfortunately, that was not successful. Uh, and then so we jumped right into our third transfer. I think it was, I think you have to wait two months between because you need to have cycles between. Did a third transfer, and unfortunately, that was unsuccessful. So I called and requested to meet with the doctor, met with the doctor, and um, as a lot of times happens when you do this stuff. She didn't really have any concrete answers. Um, she just said, statistically speaking, I should have been pregnant by now. Um, and she just, uh, I had asked her about a few tests. And so we went over a mm -hmm. few things. Um, and she thought best thing moving forward would be to 
do the Lupron uh, injection again, so the induced menopause again for four more months before I did another transfer. And again, it was just to, I hadn't done the Lupron, the induced menopause um, for any of the transfers from my second cycle. And so as anyone knows who does IVF, you do have to have cycles between your cycles that you do your transfers. And so every time, even though I was doing transfers, I was still having periods every month. The transfer cycle, it's a little bit longer than a month, but regardless, I was still having periods. So she figured to do the induced menopause to try to quiet that endo again right before transfer would be the best thing. And uh, she was just going to do uh, an endometrial scratch too. She said there's some evidence behind that. So that is where I'm at right now. I'm in my uh, second month of my third induced menopause. <laughs> yeah, so that brings us, that's kind of the quick, quicker version. The information you gave is so on point, and there's a lot of new things I learned about endometriosis too that you stated. So um, I did want to add infertility has affected your relationship with your husband, positive or negative. Um, our loss, our, our loss itself really brought us really close together, um, to begin with. That was like, a, I would say our first, um, like our first major hurdle as a married couple. Um, and so that kind of definitely tested our marriage. Um, and I do have to say, if you look at the research, like most research says, um, after stillbirth that, uh, more often times than not, people end up not together. Um, and I think that's for various different reasons, but we were one of the lucky ones and it actually brought us uh, a lot closer together. And same with infertility. So, you know, we went through our loss and then we kind of jumped right into this IVF journey that ended up being a lot more than what we yeah, thought it was yeah. gonna be. Uh, we never expected to have to do two cycles. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it just has really tested us. And uh, we had kind of, we've been on our infertility journey since we were married, really. So it's really been, it's been uh, all we know, to be honest, since our marriage. Uh, we were together for about four years before we got married. Um, so we did have that kind of base. But yeah, we've, uh, yeah, yeah. We've We've just really learned how to uh, support each other um, in going through this journey for such a long period of time now. It's been four years, four and a half, almost five years, actually. So, yeah, yeah, we were lucky because I know we can go either way. Um, but we, uh, we prioritized our marriage, and it, uh, it really uh, has gotten us a lot closer together. That's awesome because I can imagine for so many other people it doesn't go that way, you know. And um, it's it's just awesome that you guys have been able to connect and, and stay connected in that. Yeah. 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 And I think it, um, yeah, it really. It's a marriage. Yeah, it does. Sure. It does. It does. And it touched you as a person, too. So um, I wanted to get into what has the journey taught you so far? Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's taught me a lot, really. Uh, I find for myself, um, I've learned to not have expectations because things never, almost never, 
go as you want them nope. to or you expect them to. <laughs> yep. Um, I've learned that every IVF journey and every um, IVF cycle is different um, depending on, you know, why you're there, like what put you there, whether it be male factor or endometriosis or PCOS or um, unexplained yeah. or, you know, secondary infertility. Um, it's the how the process is going to work um, is going to be the same for everyone, but like the intricate details of the process is going to be very different. And so I found that really hard in the beginning because I would try to go off what other people were going through. And it really, it really can be quite different, even though the process itself is the same, the basics mm -hmm. of it is the same, like stimming, retrieval, transfers, yeah. it's all kind of the same, but Kind of how you go through those motions is, is quite different mm -hmm. for everybody. Um, and I found Absolutely. that really frustrating at the start so because you just kind of want to know what to do. And like, you know, you want your clinic to be recommending the same thing as another clinic, you know, halfway around the world for another person. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, so I find I've learned to kind of let go of that stuff because mm -hmm. it's just not the way it is. No. Um, I've really learned to kind of advocate for yourself and, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, trust your, for myself, I'm lucky. Like I feel very fortunate. Um, I, I full heartedly trust my, um, team, like my clinic and my, uh, reproductive endocrinologist. She's great. And, um, I think that's really helpful. Um, the other thing is here, I'm in uh, Eastern Canada, so um, we don't have uh, a lot of clinics to pick from where I am. So mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of places, like if you're unhappy with one, you know, place or certain position, because not everybody meshes with everybody. That's just life, right? Right. Some, you know, my my doctor might be great for me, but they might not work for somebody else. Type of yeah, absolutely. Um, we don't really have that option here because there's uh, we just have one clinic for uh, multiple provinces here so for me to go anywhere else um i'd have to get on an airplane and fly for you know two hours and put in a hotel wow. like i can't there's nowhere within driving distance like the closest driving distance would be 13 hours for the next clinic. so <laughs> it's um i'm really wow. lucky that uh i have a good good team so i don't i don't know what i would do if i didn't but i've just learned to trust them really so that's awesome. And I think that you made a really good point about advocating for yourself because it's it's very difficult as women to share our intimate details about infertility. And I think that it's important that our doctors are um, like our best friends, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just I, I, that's a really good point that you make. I really like that advocating for yourself and switching doctors if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to do that for, for yourself and for the same, yeah. your, your sanity, I mean, um, going through the process, yeah. you know, so I, that's a really good point. And I like that. So what would you say to hmm. a couple or a woman who is currently newly diagnosed? Ah, uh, that's a, that's a hard one. Um, just to, uh, just trust your, trust your gut, I guess too. Like, just, you don't mm -hmm. have to rush into IVF. It's a long process. Um, be patient. I know I almost hate saying that because I freaking hate it when people say that to me because <laughs> I have no patience. 
But uh, but it's the truth, yeah. I just I just almost want to kick myself for saying it. Um, just to uh, like I said, just not have expectation. That's I feel like that's really what uh, it just really knocked me down with my first cycle. Is I just had I had one uh, one friend that had gone to IVF and she just did substantially that like the mother load of embryos. I think she had 13 or 14 day five embryos. She did one transfer, two embryos, had twins right away. And that was kind of it. And so that was the only person, and I had not done much research online or anything before I had done it. I didn't have my socials or my YouTube or anything. So I just had like, I just assumed that it would be that way for me. And it just wasn't that way. And so you just never know what's going to happen. And so it's, I just think if you're new and going into this journey, just, you know, follow your gut and try not to have any expectations, right? Because you just don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree. And you, and infertility is so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen cycle to cycle, year to year as you get older mm -hmm. and as your body yeah. changes, you know? So yeah. it's, you, you got to be open. And so what would you say to the infertility standing face to face, if you could, what would you say to infertility? It would probably be something like, fuck you, or I hate you. <laughs> it would probably be very angry. Yeah, it would probably be very it, fucking I, angry, I, I man. Think it's we, uh, taking a lot of my life away from me. A lot of my yeah. freaking money. <laughs> yeah, the money yeah. is the first it's thing to go, you know. a lot of my relationships with everybody. And it's just, yeah, I fucking hate it. Feel <laughs> yeah i think we can all attest for that same feeling and that would yeah. be the number one answer probably like, oh, yeah oh, it really is well, hopefully we can get you back for an update and maybe you'll have a little bundle of joy screaming and pulling okay, on you yeah <laughs> frozen transfer coming soon yes much baby dust to you guys I hope so well i'm certainly rooting for you guys i know it's been a very very arduous and long journey and I just much, much baby dust to you, and good luck. Oh, thanks, girl. And thank you again, Amy, for coming on today, being our very, very, very first interviewee. And I appreciate mm -hmm. you for doing that for me today. Thank thanks you so for much, Amy. Me. I'm happy You're to welcome. Be here. <laughs> thank you, dear. It means so much to me. Thank you. To follow Amy and her journey for trying to conceive her baby through IVF, you can follow her at A-M-Y-S underscore journey T-T-C. And if you'd like to connect and continue to heal together, you can follow Infertility and Me on Instagram at infertility and me underscore. And if you prefer Facebook, you can like our page and connect with me on there as well. And that's infertility and me and the number two. I appreciate you guys for listening and tuning in to our fourth episode with Amy and her trying to conceive journey. I appreciate you guys love and light and let's con continue to connect and heal together. Thank you.